Hey there, it's Michelle Pilpich. I am a registered dietitian, certified personal trainer, and your host of this podcast, Simply Intuitive. On the show, we are talking about all things intuitive eating, active living, and breaking down what's true versus what's a myth in the wellness world so that you can focus on simple and sustainable ways to actually improve your health. If you're feeling overwhelmed by all of the health information floating around and you just want to know what to do to feel your best, you're in the right place. Not only are specific tips coming your way, but you can also count on conversations that will challenge your perspective on what health really means. So I hope you'll stick around for many episodes to come, but for now, let's get into today's show. All right, today I am here with Diane Lauren, the coolest, most relatable running content creator on TikTok, who I love, my entire running group chat loves. So Diane, thank you so much for chatting with me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yay. And what do you, so you are a content creator. You also have a full-time job. What do you do? I've never heard I've I've never called myself a content creator. I've never really? called me a content creator. So that's, that's kind so of- funny. I totally I mean some people are touchy about influencer, so mm-hmm. I don't like to say influencer, but you absolutely are a content creator. <laughs> yeah, and I've never been called an influencer either. I I don't know. I just like started sharing my running journey online. Um but yeah, in my in my real life, I guess, in my offline life, I'm a software engineer. Um and yeah, that's kind of like what I do for work. And another passion of mine is definitely tech outside of running and sports. So yeah. Yeah. So you are busy, busy, busy. (laughs) When did you start sharing about running online? Oh my gosh. I feel like it's been a few years now, but I actually started during the pandemic. Um, My husband and I, we made at, at the time, my boyfriend, we made a, an Instagram account called two lazy runners. And we just started sharing our running journey and our training through the pandemic. It was just like a fun way to connect when everybody was kind of locked away. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We all needed that. And so was he like, not about the the TikTok life? (laughs) No, Dan actually has a TikTok too, but I, yeah, yeah. He like makes some videos, but I kind of wanted to start like that was fun to have that account together. But mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I want to start sharing more, to be honest, like more more of the female perspective. And it was fun to do that like with Dan, but I'm like, oh, I want to share more like women's content and women's specific content. So I wanted to like branch out on my own too and then do that with him as well. Yeah. And you do a good job of it because there are such specific female experiences, especially related to the food and body image side of things. And that's why I wanted to talk to you. But before we dive too much into that side, I would love to hear about your history with running. Like, when did you get started? How did this become such a part of your life? Yeah, yeah. I basically was a soccer player in high school, so I never really ran, although I did play center mid. So that was kind of a running position. A lot of running. (laughs) It kind of makes sense. Um, But when I went to university, I wasn't playing anymore. Like I didn't try to play varsity in university for soccer. And then I had a bit of a loss of identity, honestly. It was kind of hard going from 
being a competitive athlete my entire life and just having like this structure and the routine and like that competitive drive and esteem from that to doing nothing basically but working right and studying in school um I felt like I don't know I felt like a little part of me got lost so I remember one day just being like oh my god I need to I need to find myself again. I need to do something. I went through a breakup. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go out and go for a run. And I'm like, (laughs) how hard can that be? (laughs) I humbled extremely fast and (laughs) I I was not not anything special at it when I started. I think like, um, it's always funny because you know, you look at people and they've had years and years and years, but you forget that like maybe when they started, they weren't where they are at now, right? So when I started, I don't even think I could run for like 400 meters probably without stopping, but I didn't have a watch or anything like that. So I didn't know. And um, I, you know, it's funny, like I loved running Mm -hmm. before I was very good at it at all. Um, That's awesome. I mean, that's like setting you up for such a good relationship with it because it's not about the times or the speed. It's just like what feels fun. Yeah. Yeah. It just felt, I don't know. It just felt right. And it still does. It always just feels right. That's the only way I like know how to describe my, my feelings towards the sport. I love that. And I think that's such a common experience of coming into running because I was Mm -hmm. similar. I played field hockey in high school and that was like my sport. And then in college started running more on my own because I just missed like having a sport and I did my very first half marathon in college. So oh, amazing. Here we I are. Play, I played field hockey too. That's so fun. No yeah. I, yeah. I'm always so excited when I meet someone who played field hockey because it's like not super common, but I, I loved it. Yeah. It's sort of niche, but yeah, it's a great yeah. sport. I haven't played since high school. I know. I really, I did play one semester of club in college yeah. and I wish that it were something I could continue. I feel like People don't really just play for fun. Like as an adult, it kind of requires a lot, but I miss it a lot. Yeah. 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 I feel like it's in like that. That's an experience that happens to a lot of athletes. They played in high school was such a part of your life. And then you go to university and I don't know, you, you lose something, you lose a part of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So basically I like started running and then I started improving. I was doing it every once in a while. I was trying to build, I don't even know what I was doing. Probably the training was not very sound, honestly, but (laughs) I was going out trying to get better. And eventually I thought, well, I'm going to walk on to the varsity cross country team. Um, Oh my gosh. (laughs) Showed up to the the walk-on meeting and it was, it was a very humbling experience to (laughs) run with those girls who'd been doing the sport for many years um it was tough mentally for me emotionally for me I think Mm -hmm. that was probably like some of the hardest times I've had in the sport but Mm -hmm. throughout I was always so excited to be there and so excited to be training and running yeah you made it onto the team as an alternate yeah I was I never scored I was never in in the amazing But I tra- I trained with the team and I loved being there. And that was wow. like pretty much my start to the sport and just realizing like, oh, you can improve. You can like get better. And yeah. So how did you mentally do that? Walk onto the team without as much as experience as anyone else? Because so many people are afraid to like 
show up to a recreational run club yeah. because other people will be faster. And I know that's how I felt before joining a run club. Um, and you walked on and then stuck with a varsity team, <laughs> even when you were not like as good as these other girls. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah, I. it's funny. Like I go back and forth about whether or not that was the right thing to do. It was a little bit of trial, like, and like entry by fire to, yeah. to the sport because to to say I had a good experience there would, would not be honest at all. Like mm. it was very, very hard. And it, I think like a lot of my emotional struggles with my confidence and like not feeling good enough, not feeling like one of the fast girls, not feel like having these I like I issues with my identity and my mm-hmm. uh my esteem in the sport definitely came from that because it was such a competitive environment and I was so new to it. Um but I think like the thing that I always came back to was I just really enjoy this sport and that like got me through those hard times. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, you need that foundation. So throughout that time and then also rewinding to high school and even younger, how was your relationship with food and your body? Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm in some ways, I'm sort of grateful I didn't start running until I was older because I in soccer, there, there really wasn't a culture, at least in the world that I was in, where I was playing soccer in the leagues and the teams that I was on, there wasn't a culture of like thin is better and thin is like the, something that you have to be. I remember after games, we got ice cream. We went to Wendy's. We'd get McFlurries at McDonald's. Like yeah. no one ever talked about dieting or I didn't, I don't even think I would have known what a calorie was. I was so unaware until I was like a fully grown adult of all these mm-hmm. things like happening. I think, especially like having a mother who just wasn't really like that at all. She never, she never talked about like healthy eating or anything like that, but she served, she was, she's a great cook. My mom's a great cook. She serves a lot of homemade meals. She always said like, you know, if, like the one the one thing with her was like you have to eat your dinner and we can have dessert after and like Mm -hmm. really promoting like eating healthy and eating a lot of good food um but like abundance and also nutrition right yeah so I think for me I was always sort of kept away from that diet culture I didn't really know too much about it until I was a fully formed woman and didn't and it didn't have the ability to penetrate me as much. Yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah, that is so lucky. What about with the the cross-country team? How was that culture and was it different from your soccer experience? Yeah, I think there – see, the thing is I because I was not in the top five, I wasn't like one of the girls who was – one of the fast girls, I wasn't, <laughs> yeah. I wasn't in whatever culture was taking place there. But looking back now, I, I've i heard and I realized that there was some disordered behaviors on that team. I just wasn't really in, in it. Like the only, the only friend I really had on the team was my now husband who has an unbelievably healthy relationship with food. Yeah. 
And I just came into the sport and I was like, oh, running and the culture and distance running is the same as soccer. And we, we all just eat a bunch. And mm. I don't know. I was I sort of stayed away from it for a long yeah. time. Yeah. That's great. So something you do now and have done on social media is really showing that healthy relationship with food yeah. through your What I Eat in a Day videos. And I absolutely love it. I know a lot of those videos like get pushback and people say, oh, they're toxic. I hate when people post what they eat because you just can't compare. And there is a lot of toxic content out there. And I have shared some of those videos myself with the intention of like showing what's normal. Like, okay, yeah, people are showing their diety, what I eat today that's unrealistic and their yeah. body packing and like showing off all of that. Nobody's showing the normal side. And you 100% do that. So what inspired you to start those videos? Okay, yeah. So when I was starting to like come more online and join kind of the online running community and I guess like the content creator community on Instagram, I started noticing there was a lot of people making what I eat in a day videos. And I never, ever, ever saw one that I felt even remotely related to um like I it's funny because you only really get to see in real life in your real life you only get to see like everything someone eats in a day when you like live with them right so I only saw like everything my husband eats in a day and he only saw everything I eat in a day it's kind of Mm -hmm. rare you get to see like everything somebody eats in a day exactly Um, And he, I mean, he was eating a lot. I was eating a lot. So I was like, well, that's probably just the way most people eat. And then I was seeing these videos and I was like, wow, like are people really eating that? This is like so shock. It was so shocking to me, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, And basically I thought, well, maybe someone like will relate to this if I put this online. Like I'm a, I'm a real person. I'm a real athlete. My yeah. food doesn't always look like the most aesthetic, obviously. No. <laughs> Sometimes I go back for seconds. I didn't see a lot of that online. And yeah. I just wanted to show, I wanted to show something that maybe like wasn't shown very often, but maybe someone out there would feel was relatable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what was the feedback like the first time you did it, was it all positive from the start? Because it seems like you have a lot of positive feedback on it. Yeah, it's funny. Like, I think the first couple of times I made those videos, I was shocked by how many other like female athletes messaged me and mm-hmm. like appreciated the videos being like, I've never seen somebody eat like the way I eat or like make me feel like it's not weird to like want a second breakfast or want a second snack or like not feel full after dinner and go back for another plate Mm -hmm. um and I think I think it's hard because food is a very it's the type of thing where people like partaking it together right and you don't ever want to feel like different or out like outside of the norm and I think like people seeing that made them feel like more normal and mm-hmm. it was something for people to like it was kind of a safe space maybe, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's exactly how I see it. And I I even experienced that one-on-one with the clients I work with. I don't often 
share about my own eating with my clients because it's so individual. But, you know, sometimes if I have a client who's also a runner, I'll tell them like, yeah, everything you're doing is normal. I've eaten all of the things I'm telling you to eat, like plus more sometimes. And like, I am doing these same exact things. And there's always such relief on their face when they hear that. And they're like, okay, I'm so glad it's not just me. I'm like, no, it's not just you. Every single person I see is not eating enough when I first meet them. And so like those examples I think are so, so helpful. And people have even told me, you know, clients have told me like, I do not know what normal eating looks like because nobody's showing that. So it's amazing that you are. That's so interesting to hear. You know what? I think it's also fascinating too because so much of what we see pushed for women in terms of diet online is like in in the eyes of weight loss. Do you know what I mean? And not everybody is like eating for weight loss. I feel like if you go online, like all you see is like women eating for like an aesthetic, like to gain an aesthetic. And I, and I've like never ate that way because I've, I've always been an athlete my entire life. Mm So I've always ate for performance and I've trained always for performance. And I just remember like kind of earlier in the pandemic, there were not as many people showing like, here's how I eat and train as a performance athlete, not necessarily Mm -hmm. like, like an influencer who, is training to look a certain way. Right. And telling you that you will look like me if you eat this way. (laughs) Yeah. So something that comes up for a lot of people, and I'm curious how you think about this, is like, okay, I can eat this way when I run a lot. Mm -hmm. If I have a rest day, I have to cut back. And if I don't, as soon as I finish my race, I can't have as many carbs. So what do you think of those thoughts? What is your eating like on your off days? Okay. Well, funny enough that you say that because I ran Sunday. Um, I ran a marathon on Sunday and I I always take a very deliberate off season. I know that not everybody does that, but for me, it's something that's so important Mm -hmm. mentally, emotionally. I need, I physically, I'm actually fine. It's more (laughs) emotionally. I need to rest. I need to not, I need to not be running right now. I just need to be like sitting on the couch, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. and I'm still as hungry like as I was when I when I was in training. I was like on FaceTime with my friend this morning and I was like, oh my God, I woke up this morning and I ate two sandwiches. Like I ate two <laughs> I was mm-hmm. just I think my body's just recovering from the stress, recovering. Yeah. And also I don't think that I think that people I see a lot of people like counting things. A lot of people, when I would start making videos, people would be like, can you tell me macros? I did Google. Like, I don't even know what these things are like. <laughs> um, and I think it's it, it makes you like out of touch with what your body needs. Yes. Because 100%. I, I've never counted anything, but I'm, I'm doing okay. Like Dan's never counted anything, but he, somehow we're staying fueled. Like somehow we're, <laughs> we're doing, we're keeping our bodies alive. Right. Um, but I trust that like my body will tell me what it needs in the off season and in training. That's exactly how I describe intuitive eating. It's like getting away from the external rules, those numbers and tuning into the internal and learning to trust your body. And I'm so glad you mentioned still being hungry. I I ran the New York city marathon on Sunday. And so 
after like literally a Sunday night, I was like, all I want is pizza. I had pizza for yeah. dinner, it, like in bed, just having so much pizza and had more pizza than I usually do for a typical dinner because I was hungry. Went to bed, woke up at midnight, hungry, went to the kitchen and like got chocolate chip cookies and ate the cookies I was hungry for, woke up at 5 a.m. hungry, had breakfast, like, and I didn't run at all. And then the next day or two days later, still hadn't run at all. I definitely ate two bagels one day. Maybe I had three bagels in a day. Like, it's so, so normal. And I was actually so excited recently maybe a month or two ago, I had to have like some routine blood work done. And I had it done the day after a long run and one of my longest long runs. Um, And something like everything came back normal. There was one thing that was slightly off. I like text my med school friend and I was like, what does this mean? And he's like, oh, it's really like not that off. It's just a sign of inflammation. And I was like, oh my God. I did my long run yesterday. Like I have proof now that yes, your body is inflamed afterwards and needs to repair. So it was just really cool to like see that data because I'm always telling people you need the nutrition, you need to repair, you need to like refuel and help with all that inflammation. And I was like, wow, this is true. It's so cool. (laughs) I actually find like a lot of times I'm hungriest on the days I'm resting. I find the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's like that it has a chance to catch up with you. And sometimes your appetite is off right after a run or something. So like, that's your chance to, to really rebuild. Totally. And it takes energy to repair your muscles too. Mm -hmm. Not the only thing is an exercise that's requiring fuel. It's also like recovering from exercise. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I also love hearing that like, you are so intentional about the off season because Mm -hmm the mental and emotional recovery is also really important. And last year I was supposed to run the New York city marathon, but I deferred to this year because I, I ran it in 2021 and I was so caught up in like the running culture and the run club and everybody's doing every single race. So I ran the marathon in 2021, November, and then 2022, I just kept doing races and did like multiple halves and so, so many races that by the time I got to marathon training, I was like, I can't again, like physically fine, but all my long runs were going poorly. I was just like, I hate this and I'm miserable and I'm not going to have fun. So I skipped the race. And now after a year of like not having done all those races, I had so much fun. And like, that was such a better experience. And now I'm like, Oh, I miss it. Like I want to do more because it just wasn't so intense. So what is your mental, emotional break like? I just don't exercise. I you know, <laughs> like I see a lot of people who also like you ran on Sunday. A lot of people did the New York marathon. Yeah. Um, I did it just a small marathon in, in uh, Ontario, but and just I, a marathon is still a marathon. <laughs> absolutely, that is true. But um, yeah, and I see people hopping back into uh, you know even like some cross training, like biking, ellipticaling. Mm-hmm. I I don't. I don't want to do that right now. Like, I just don't want to be working out. I just don't feel inclined to do it. And I just think like there's really something to be said for allowing yourself a break every once in a while. Like when I'm in my season, I I train very hard. Like there are 
every time, you know, I, it's funny because it's not, it's not intuitive in my opinion to train for a marathon. You have to deny yourself like rest so often. There's so many times you feel like, gosh, I, everything in my body is like screaming to me and to not put myself through this run, this workout, this long run. And you force yourself to do it because you have to, you know, get prepared for race day. But then when I'm in the off season, I, I really allow myself that like emotional and physical break. And then I also do things that I don't get to do when I'm in training. Like mm-hmm. last night I watched The Bachelor with my friend and we stayed up until 1.30 in the morning, which I would never do when I was yeah. in training. And it's I know, even like now having the first Friday night that's not a night before a long run, I'm like, what am I going to do tomorrow morning? What am I going to do tonight? And of course I'm thinking like, Taylor Swift is back on tour. I'm like, can I watch the whole TikTok live of her concert? Right. And like, it's good to allow yourself to do those things. You have to be so disciplined when you're training for something. And sometimes it's nice to not be that disciplined. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's funny though, hearing you talk about that because I, especially for this marathon, was the opposite in my training it was very intuitive. I told people, I was like, I'm intuitively training to an extent. Like, yes, I did the long run. I like loosely followed a plan, but I didn't have a time goal. I was like, I just want to, like, I'm still very much learning how to be a long distance runner because it's not Mm -hmm. something I've done for a long time. So my first marathon went so, so poorly (laughs) in terms of how I felt. It was just like, I didn't know what I was doing and I just wanted it to be better. So I was like, no pressure on time. I just want to finish and I just want it to be more enjoyable. Yeah. And I did that. And so I like briefly was seeing a physical therapist when I was having some issues while training and she'd ask me all these questions. She'd be like, so what's your weekly mileage? Like, what are you running tomorrow? What are you doing this, this, this? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to, I'll look at the plan tomorrow morning and see what it says. Like, I don't know. And then I'll see if I feel like doing that. And there, if there was ever a range of a workout, I'd be like, We'll see what I feel like. I didn't do a single speed workout because I just didn't want to. (laughs) So, and like for that reason, I have gone on two like very chill jogs this week just because I was like, wow, I'm like so high on the energy of the marathon and I miss it and this is fun. And now I'm thinking like, okay, I got my feet under me again. Maybe I will have a time goal next time. Maybe I do want to train more strategically and like, just going with whatever you feel like doing, like you're saying, is so helpful. Yeah, yeah. I think there's something to be said for having like different seasons for doing things like that. Like mm-hmm. I have had years where I just didn't feel like I could chase goals and I just didn't feel like I had the energy physically or emotionally to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, but I still ran because I still love to run. Right. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, there are times where I'm like, you know, what, I'm ready. I feel that I feel inclined to do this. And yeah. th- I had six or no, I had about five years in between this marathon that I just ran and the last marathon I did because I didn't want to do marathon training. I didn't feel that it was something I wanted to do physically or emotionally. So I just didn't. Yes, that's so important. And I'm curious how you feel about kind of like the running culture surrounding the marathon because it feels sometimes like if you don't do a marathon, you're not a runner. And like every runner has the goal of doing the marathon. And so taking all that time off of it, 
how did that feel? Did you ever doubt yourself or feel like, oh, should I be doing that if my friends are running marathons and people are running multiple marathons per year? Like, it is a huge undertaking to train for a marathon, but it can be talked about like, oh, well, this is the thing to do. And like, you just got to do it. Yeah. You know, okay. I'm pretty opinionated on that. And it's funny. Let's hear it. I love this. In the competitive running world, it's not that way. Um, my partner, he's an incredible runner. He's gone sub 15 minutes in the 5k. He's gone wow. 31 minutes in the 10k. He, but he's never run a marathon. Yeah. Um, and he's probably not going to for a while because he still believes that he has an ability to improve his speed. I think, and maybe this is a bit of a hot take. I think <laughs> in the competitive world, when people sometimes feel like they can't improve their speed anymore, that's when they move up in distance. Ah. But I mean, and that's why I did it. I felt yeah. I felt like I couldn't improve my 5k, 10k. I'd had three years where I hadn't PR'd in either and I'd been training very hard. Mm. Um, 5k, 10k is really tough. People, yeah. don't, people don't talk about that a, a lot, but I think there's this draw to the marathon because it's long. Um, but I think people take different approaches to things, right? Like to me, for me personally, I didn't want to complete a marathon. I really wanted to race it. Um, that's why I stayed away from it for a while because I thought I'm not I'm not there yet. I have to improve my speed in the shorter distances. I really wanted to go sub 90 minutes in the half before I even thought about doing the marathon again, because I felt like my top end speed was just so plateaued. Um, I think there's like a bit of this obsession with this culture of, oh, you have to run a marathon. You have to run Boston. But yeah, yeah. there's there's other goals to face too. And people forget right. those. Right. I mean, I, I wonder if it's just about people wanting to like do something impressive and you're right. Like speed is so hard. That's why I hate it. And that's why I did not a single speed workout. (laughs) Not one. Um, and so for like the average person who enjoys running, you're probably, well, I mean, never say never, but most people are not out there like winning 5Ks because it's so hard and people are so fast. And if the local cross country team comes, they're going to win. <laughs> so okay. it's like, okay, well, if I can't be the best in speed, at least I can be the most impressive by going the farthest because all my friends are not going to run a marathon. So I'm going to. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, it, you know, people joke a lot about runners and doing races like for the attention and we all just want attention. <laughs> So what do you think about that mindset of like having to be the best, having to do something impressive? Like, are you ever sucked into doing things for other people or do you feel pretty rooted in like doing it for your own goals? I think, I think it's been like a journey for me. Mm -hmm. I think I came out of university being like, I have to like prove that I'm good at this sport. Like I have to prove that I'm not what everybody like pegged me as, as, which was just Mm -hmm. like no potential. Um, And therefore I started like running with 
like some fear. Do you know what I mean? I was like running with this fear that people were going to think I was bad. And every time I showed up to a race, I was wearing like the weight of the world on my back going, oh my God, if I race badly today, I'm a bad runner. Everyone's going to think it. I'm going to think it. And that was tough. That like really made the sport a difficult thing to do for me. And I feel like it was, it, it takes like an emotional toll, but I, I think over time, I, I in my mind, I thought for a long time, well, I don't have any confidence because I'm, I haven't run fast times. I don't have any confidence because I haven't gone uh, sub 20 in the 5K. Okay, then I did it and I still didn't have any confidence. And then I said, well, I just don't have any confidence because I haven't qualified for Boston. And then I did it and I went to Boston <laughs> and I still didn't have any confidence. And I started realizing like, confidence doesn't come from running fast times or being faster than other people around you or what other people think of you. It comes from like what you think of yourself. And I like thought badly of myself. So I think like changing that attitude and going like, what am I interested in doing in this sport? Like, what am I excited about? And then going after those goals, that was like what helped me shift my mindset. That's amazing. I want everyone to like rewind and replay that 20 times every morning. <laughs> That's going to be my new morning mantra. So what what was holding you back in the confidence? Like why were you not thinking highly of yourself while you were hitting all those goals? I think running is a tough one because it's this individual sport and it's very numbers-based, right? Mm-hmm. And we're racing. So you, it's so it's so rankable. You know what I mean? Like you're either better than this person or you're not. And I think it's therefore so easy to get into that slippery slope of comparison when you're doing it. Um, But you know, the funny thing is, is like, you're never going to be good if you if you play the comparison game because you'll always find someone better than you. Even the top runners, it, it, they don't stay at the top forever. Kipchoge, mm-hmm. his record got taken, right? Like mm-hmm. people, you can't only have confidence off being the best because nobody's the best and most of us are not the best and um, nobody stays the best forever either. So mm-hmm. I I didn't want to build my house of like who I am and my confidence on this like rickety foundation based on like performing better than other people. Um, I wanted to build it off how I carry myself in the sport, how I like carry myself with other athletes, how I like treat other people. Like I knew how I was treated by people who were faster than than me. And I remember thinking when, when I get fast, (laughs) get fast, like there's no, but when I get faster, I'm never going to treat people like that. I'm never going to make people feel the way that I felt. Um, so yeah, I think I just started shifting my mindset. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about those ideas of fast and slow. And you've talked about this and I loved your video about it. And even just hearing you talk about, you know, hitting those goals and still not having confidence. I, I'm thinking about myself and I think a lot of the reason that like, I don't set time goals and I ne- I always tell people like, oh, I don't race races. I just run them for fun. 
I think that comes from like not being confident about my pace and like I have always called myself a slow runner and I'm like oh I yeah I'm a runner but I'm a slow runner and I just do it for fun because I'm like well if I have a goal that's not an impressive goal even though it would be growth for me like that's not worth it other people are going to judge me blah 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 all of that stuff um and your perspective is so true. Like there's always someone faster than you. There's always someone slower than you. And even what you were saying about like you hit time goals and then still didn't feel good. It so much reminds me of body image and people pursuing those aesthetics and weight loss. You will hit those goals and still not feel good if it's only based on the numbers. And, you know, there's always someone bigger than you. There's always someone smaller than you. Like all of this comparison is so toxic. So how did you get to this place? And well, before we talk about how you got to not comparing, what is your outlook, your stance on those words, fast, slow, yeah. all of that comparison terminology? Yeah. You know, it's funny. When I like made my account, I I just knew I wasn't going to use those words mm-hmm. because I think when you put those labels on yourself and I've had those labels put on me without wanting them. I've been called the slow girl. I think it's uh, it becomes an identity and it's really, really hard to get rid of them. And I think the other thing is um, I remember like one time we were lining up at practice and one of the girls who I was like training with, she went, well, let the fast girls go ahead and then the, the slow girls will go. And like she was speaking about us and I was like, oh, so we're the slow girls. And mm-hmm. it's like, I think it's tough, right? Because those words, those words can affect you and then stick with you. And I think people call themselves slow because, you know, there's a lot of people online right now doing like the slow running movement. And I actually love that. I I kind of wish like there was something like that around when I started in the sport, because I think it would have made it like a bit more of a safe space, a bit more of like comfortable, like entry to the sport for me. Um, but I think it's tough, right? Because I remember I had a friend who's very, very quick. And she said to me, um, I never say those words about myself. I never call myself slow, even on the worst day I ever have. Um, maybe it could be a really not great race for her, but that might be like the best race of someone's life. And if you start calling it slow, like you have to put yourself in the shoes of, let's say I like had the best race in my life and someone else who's quicker than me didn't and they ran about the same time as me and went oh I ran so slow today like that would just dampen my my happiness and my Mm -hmm. excitement and I just don't want anyone else to like feel that ever because of the way that I speak about myself so right it's it's so important and I had such a realization myself after the first marathon I did was literally like a little over six hours and it was not at all what I expected. And I was so, so hard on myself. I was like, well, I walked so much of that race that it doesn't even count. I'm not a marathoner. I can't do like, it it was so horrible the way that I talked to myself. And then the following year, I remember seeing so that the year that I deferred the marathon, I remember seeing all of the social media posts of the final finishers of the marathon. And it is like uh, of New York and it's such a party. They're celebrating so much. And I was like crying watching these videos. I'm like, I'm so proud of them. 
And then I was like, wait a minute, here's someone who walked an entire marathon and I'm proud of them and they're proud of themselves, but I'm telling myself like, I didn't do it for working, walking part of it. Like how would they feel? Same as what you're saying. If they heard me say that about the same accomplishment they had, like that's so horrible. And so this year I did like, did I have a time goal? Truly no. And that's why I think I don't have disappointment, even though like the night, the night before this is like how much my training was truly intuitive. I was staying over with one of my friends who was also running and I'm like, let's Google like a pace calculator. I was like, okay, if I run this pace, what will my end time be? Like, I didn't even have a clue. (laughs) And I was like, okay, so maybe I'll get like the night before I'm like, Oh, Maureen, like we could do five hours. That's going to happen. And I finished like over five and a half hours. And the first marathon, I was like, I'm not posting this on Strava. I'm not telling, I kept my time a secret for at least a year. And like, now I'm just trying to push myself past that. I posted my race on Strava. And of course, all of my friends are commenting how amazing it is. And like, you crushed this and but like nothing but positive because nobody else cares. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so then I was like, cool, I'm not going to care. Yeah. And I think that's incredible. And like, you know, what's so funny, like, it's, it's funny when you said um, you were like watching the final finishers and like feeling Mm -hmm. emotional. It's like, I actually like saw the New York City Marathon, like videos of the final, I was like tearing up. I was like getting choked up. I'm like going to cry just thinking about it. (laughs) Chills right now. And it just, it just like represents what I think the marathon is about, which is perseverance. It's not, you know, and perseverance can show in like many different ways, right? That looks different on everyone. Um, but you know, like everybody finished the race. And I think like that's something that's worth acknowledging. I also think, you know, when you said that, it made me think about something I used to say to myself um, when I would have like bad self-talk which is something I think a lot of people struggle with. I would say, would you ever say this to one of your friends? Mm-hmm. And the answer was no. Like right. if one of my friends had a tough race or had a bad day, I would, I know what I would say to them. I would say, you're, you're going to bounce back. That's so incredible. Be proud of the accomplishment, you know, but when you talk to yourself, you'd speak so differently. Right. Right. Yeah. And, you know, we even talk about like, just finishing is such an accomplishment. And then even today I saw someone's post about not finishing the marathon and also like making the decision to not finish if that's not what's working for you is also admirable. It is. It is. Yeah. I, you know, that's something that I think it doesn't get talked about enough. DNF and DNS. I have DNS many, many races, not even shown up to the start line because I made the decision before that nothing good could come out of going to a race for, for probably many reasons, physical, emotional, whatever. Um, and then there have been times where I have DNF and I've just stepped off the course and I, I've made the decision that, you know, today is not my day and there's no reason to be suffering like this. And I think that's a commendable decision to make too. It is. It totally is because it's putting your mental health first. Yeah. Yeah. Which is equally important as your physical body. And I think that a lot of times runners will quite literally run themselves to the ground and only stop 
when an injury prevents yes. them, but like your mental health is just as important. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. I think it's tough because in running, there's this culture of I want to push really hard. I want to tough it out. Um, but that's not always the best thing to do. It's a long, it's a long game, you know, you have to play the long game. Yes. 100%. So how do you personally keep that in mind and like work towards big goals and still train hard because you like it? Um, but at the same time, maintain the balance of prioritizing your mental and emotional health, of not becoming obsessive or getting into toxic patterns. What does that look like for you? Yeah, I think I think it's a fine line always with training at the competitive level because what it does look like looks very crazy to a lot of people. Like if I showed, and sometimes I do, I'll show like a week of training running mm-hmm. 70 to 80 miles a week. Like that's what I did going into in my peak weeks. Um, but what I do is I train in a very deliberate way. I know exactly what I'm doing. I know we do uh, – I have a coach, so I put my full trust into my coach. I communicate with how I'm handling the training, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally. And uh, I don't I don't get a rest day every week when I'm in my peak season – but my coach knows that like I can handle the mileage. I've never had a running injury. So, I mean, that's proof that it what I'm doing is working and that I'm, I know my body and I'm listening to my body and working with my coach who knows me. And it comes from eating yes. plenty of food. <laughs> yeah, eating a lot and not yeah. – um, yeah, not enter- not entering into like an energy deficit ever. Yeah, so yeah, I think the way that I balance that is – I stay focused on my goal and I know like what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. I'm doing it like to chase a goal. It's not, it's, it's never been about looking a certain way or seeming a certain way to people. It's for something that's important to me. I stay like focused on that. And, you know, there are days where I had something scheduled and every once in a while, I, I can't do it for whatever reason. Like there were a few days well, actually, I tested positive for COVID 13 days before my uh, yes my marathon. And I had this whole plan for my taper. I was like, I'm going to do this, 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 this. That did not happen. <laughs> I just, at that point, all I could do was just rest, sleep, right. not run, not do a whole lot. Um, and you you can't let taking rest and extra rest make you panic. Like, I remember at that point, my coach said to me like at this point the fitness is there like at this Mm -hmm. point the training is done so missing a few runs in the taper isn't going to do anything it's not going to mean anything I think the balance when it comes to training at a very competitive level is being disciplined but not crossing that line of doing things that are like hurting you Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Right. Kind of knowing what's going to make a difference and what's just not worth it. Absolutely. And I remember like there was one time, here's like an example of that. Like there was one time when I went out a run and I had, I think, uh, eight or nine miles to do for like a recovery run. Mm-hmm. And I went out and I was just so tired. Long day at work. It was dark outside. I was just slogging through this and I felt like cutting it short. And when I, um, 
when I hit, I think I hit like six miles or maybe five miles, I was like, you know what? Four miles in 20 weeks isn't going to mean anything. And actually forcing myself to do those extra four miles probably would have put me in a hole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so, there are so many parallels to this and nutrition because it's also like the big picture, you know, and I'll tell people if you go a few days, even a week without a vegetable, like you're not going to be nutrient deficient. You're going to be fine. And it's the same thing. You just have to look at your overall health, your overall fitness as like, what am I doing in the big picture? Because that's what it's all about. I couldn't agree with that more. I think it's also interesting because people like one of the comments that I do get on my what I eat in a day videos a lot is, oh, like you, you, you like had dessert and you da, 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 and people will like nitpick at the little things. But I think, I mean, personally, and you, maybe you would know this better than <laughs> I'm not any like type of professional at all. But yeah. I think when I have like the, when you zoom out at my eating, just because I had a few Oreos for dessert or something after a pretty healthy, well-rounded meal. I think those are the things that matter. Like if you're eating a good meal yeah. and then you have some dessert after, the dessert is not going to kill you. Like the nutrition is what matters. Completely agree. Yeah. And I mean, I will say that to my clients if someone's like, oh, I ended my day with dessert. Like I ate so poorly. And I'll be like, well, but look back at your day. You had fruit with your breakfast. You had fruit with your lunch. You had a veggie here. You had a home-cooked dinner. Like this yes. is not bad by any means. And I don't even use the word bad, but just for the sake of the point. Um, and the people who have dessert frequently, who have what they crave every day are going to overall probably end up eating less of it than the people who restrict themselves and then binge and go crazy and feel sick because that relationship is just so unbalanced and unhealthy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think like one thing that I'm very like thankful for is I've always lived in a house that just had so many treats. In it. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. We always, we were always the house that had all the sugar cereals and all the cookies, cakes. My mom is like an incredible baker. She always like had, Ooh. we always were having, I love chocolate. We love dessert. Um, yes. We were definitely like a dessert family, but yeah. And then like, same thing when I got my own place, I like to keep, like, I've always have ice cream in my freezer, always have cookies in my pantry. Um, and therefore, like sometimes people would message me and they would be like, well, how do you not like overdo it with that stuff? And I, I don't know. I guess the thing is for me, I eat it like all the time, every, like literally every single day I eat, eat cookies. Um, yeah. cause like, I like to have dessert after every meal. Same. <laughs> Therefore, I don't ever go nuts on stuff like that. Right. Right. And when you have it without rules, like you're, like we were saying earlier, just more in tune with the internal and you notice how it affects you. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we just recently had Halloween and I was eating lots of candy and lots of sweets. And it got to a point where I was like, mm, I don't feel great anymore. I want to have an apple tonight after dinner because like, that's just going to feel better for my stomach. Not, oh, I need to get a six pack because I'm having too much chocolate and like, this is going to ruin my aesthetic progress. No, it was just like, my digestion does not feel good and I want to feel better. And now I'm like, 
oh, thinking about cookies and the cookies I have and what I'm going to have right after this call because I'm like, I'm in the mood for those. But they were here yesterday and I didn't have them yesterday because I just was in the mood for something else. So it's so much easier to know what you want when anything is available. Yeah, yeah. Did you feel like you craved certain types of food when you were in marathon training? Um, Definitely. I mean, definitely carbs. Yeah. But I feel like it was just more yeah. food. I was like, I am just hungry and I want to eat whatever I'm in the mood for, which kind of changed day to day. Yeah, yeah. Did you have cravings? I feel like I definitely – I feel like I always craved like salty chips. That was one thing. Yeah, but I, I was going to say sometimes salt, and I'm so much more a sweet person. Yeah. But yeah, it makes sense when you're sweating so much, when you're losing sodium. Like our bodies tell us what we need nutritionally too. So salt yeah. – I heard that from a few clients too. They were like, I just want so many salty things. I'm like, yeah, it yeah. makes sense. But I also feel like I was always craving to eat like nutritious food too. Like I would actually like crave mm-hmm. to eat like, I don't know, like a burger with like tomato, lettuce, like yeah. lots of like nutritious things as well because your body is so depleted from the mileage. You yeah. Like it actually knows that you need to replenish your like micronutrients as well. Yes. Our bodies are smarter than our brains sometimes. <laughs> so true yeah so okay what is your favorite post-run meal Ooh, this is probably so boring but I feel like probably people who watch my what I eat in the days like no this like I love just like eggs and toast I love scrambled eggs with ketchup yeah yeah I do ketchup on your eggs yes always always (laughs) I'm not saying that's yeah Virtual take on the internet. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I don't do ketchup, but I do love some eggs. Although yeah. post run, I always go for a bagel. Mm-hmm. And I would like, I got into the habit of waking up on Saturday morning, just being like, I cannot wait for my bagel and hazelnut coffee after this run. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of like a bit of a ritual, huh? It was like yes. you long run and then you have your long run meal and then you yeah. rest. Yeah. I'm like, and then my nap with my dog. So so I do miss that a little bit, but still going to have the Saturday morning bagel tomorrow for sure, even without the long run. (laughs) True. I'm I'm actually looking forward to not having to So I feel like I asked you everything I wanted to. So many good takes, hot takes, good takes. Um, Is there anything else you would want to share with someone maybe like who is struggling with their own relationship with running and that negative self-talk right now? I think this is one thing I, I think about a lot. I think any worries that you have about what other people are thinking of you or the way that other people are are looking at you, they're not like, I remember, look, it's funny because even when I was watching the videos of my own marathon, one of the, the things I was thinking is, oh my gosh, I'm like one of the girls, I'm I'm running now at speeds, like one of the girls that I used to look at and feel like intimidated by or something. And when I was running my marathon, I wasn't looking around thinking any less of anyone. When I finished, I went back on, out on the course and cheered for other people and it was emotional yeah. and I was proud of everyone. I think that negative self-talk, it's, it's truly like from within and the only way to deal with it is like to deal with it from within. And 
no one else is thinking badly of you. No one else is thinking less of you. So don't like think less of yourself. And I remind myself of that too, all the time. We all need it. Thank you so, so much. I can't wait to listen back to this already, like immediately. (laughs) This has been amazing. If people for some reason don't know who you are and need to go find you and follow you, where can people keep up with everything you're doing? Yeah. So I'm Diane underscore Lauren on TikTok. I have an account with my husband on Instagram. We're uh, two lazy runners. And I also have my own Instagram, Diane underscore Lauren underscore 19. Amazing. And I will have everything tagged so people can find you easily. Thank you. Thank you so (laughs) much. Thank you so much. Yeah. It was wonderful. And there you have it. That is our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it and had some good takeaways. If you did, I would love to hear what's resonating for you. Send me a DM on Instagram or share the episode to your stories and tag me so that I can see that you're listening and hopefully loving it. You can also share this episode with a friend who you think would enjoy it and spread some intuitive eating love to everyone around you. As always, five-star ratings and reviews are so appreciated, so you can drop me one of those. Be sure to also check out the show notes for all the links that I mentioned and more information on myself and my nutrition private practice. Other than all that, I hope you have a great day and a great week, and I will catch you in the next episode.